Welcome to the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. We had the interview edition that uh, went up yesterday. Interviews with Khabib Nurmagomedov, Justin Gaethje, Jared Cannonier, and Taito Ivasa. So if you want to hear some interviews, that is available wherever you get this podcast. And now it'll be myself and Joe shooting the breeze about everything from around the world of mixed martial arts, especially the resurgence of Brian Ortega this past weekend, Joe. I mean, he looked like a brand new reborn fighter. Yeah, and I love that because, uh, like I said last episode, that uh, he's been working with one of my boys, Jason Parks, uh, with his striking. So to see how sharp and how technical he looked and to be able to use that jab well, man, he looked good. And I think this is uh, the big threat we're going to see with Volkanovski. And I hope uh, he's next for it because he deserved and looked great. Yeah, I think some people were on the fence and thinking maybe Zabit should be next or, you know, maybe Max Holloway should get a third crack at it. I think that all of that kind of went away seeing how good Brian Ortega has gotten after that time off. Uh, and really, Zombie didn't have much of a chance in that fight from the beginning until the end. But do you think now, like Zombie is, uh, I, I think personally, but I want to see what you think, is a little bit one-dimensional now. I think guys have started to figure out how to deal with those forward pressure types of fighters, you know, learning to stay long. I mean, I feel now in MMA, it's a different time. You have to be, uh, have to have a little bit more than the will to just sit in the pocket and exchange. So I think we're seeing a higher level IQ really past those guys who are just relying on that aggressiveness that we've seen from the zombie. Yeah, you know, it's funny with the zombie. Like with Ortega, Ortega can turn you into a one dimensional fighter because if. Zombie was going to try to grapple with Ortega. Like, that's a losing proposition, right? So I don't know if I would write Zombie off as being one-dimensional just yet. Like, I think we can still see more from him in terms of the grappling. He's shown his submission uh, skills in the past. I think he's a, still a solid grappler. But I just feel like when you're against Ortega, it's hard for you to implement that part of your game. Like, if Alexander Volkanovsky just stands and strikes with Ortega, are we going to say that he's a one-dimensional fighter? Because I, I don't think that he should try to take down Ortega. I think that that's a bad move for anybody to try to do. So... You have to now beat Ortega on the feet because if you try to grapple with him, he's going to beat you. Like he will. I think that if it comes down to grappling, anybody at 145 except for maybe like Ryan Hall in like a grappling type situation is going to have problems with Ortega. Um, and then when you when you look at it from a striking standpoint, if he can get his striking to where it was this past weekend and continue that and continue to evolve, like this is going to be a very very scary proposition for the rest of the uh, the, well, the uh, featherweight division. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. But what I meant by one-dimensional, I mean, from a deeper level of, of technique, it's more of like one-dimensional doesn't necessarily mean are you striker or ground. I mean, even within the striking aspect, you can be one-dimensional. That means like only forward pressure. But there's times where you have to move laterally. There's times where you have to draw attack and move back. There's times you need to kick fight. There's times you need to fight on angles and use your boxing. But when you're only coming in a straight line relying on one strike, that to me is one dimensional. So being able to mix your kicks in, faint a little bit more, create angles, use your kicks to set up your punches. So there's more to it than just being able to grapple and strike. And I think Zombie, even as being known as that striker, needs a little bit more variation. The ability to adapt is just going to make him, uh, you know, stay at this high level. Otherwise, I think he'll be in a lot of troubles with some of these guys. Like, I just even think of someone like Kelvin Cater. Like, I think Kelvin, the way he moves his head, the way he throws his strikes would give Zombie a hard time, too. Now, apparently, Kelvin Cater has a big fight coming up, but it hasn't been uh, announced just yet. I'm, I'm interested to see what it is. I saw, I was, I saw that uh, Jose Aldo got matched up with Cheeto Vera, and then Rob Font actually got matched up with Marlon Moraes. So uh, some, interesting matches, uh, yeah, some interesting matchups coming up for uh, those two individuals. And, uh, Who are I you thinking to... for Kelvin? 
What's your What's your initial? I think gut? it's gonna be Holloway. Like I think okay, if they're gonna yeah. do if they're gonna do Ortega Makes versus sense. Volkanovski, like who really is left in that division? That would be an exciting fight. That would be a big fight. You could yeah. maybe say there's a beat rematch, but from what I understand, Zabit doesn't really want to run that one back. So uh, I think Cater versus Max Holloway would be one hell of a fight uh, for them to do. Yeah, that makes total sense. Josh Emmett's injured. Good fight. So, I mean, there's yeah, not a lot of like people it. up at the top. Yeah, I think that would be a, a really... I, I still think Calvin Cater has earned the respect of uh, of the matchmakers. I think in his fight with Zabit, I think a lot of people believe that had that fight gone even a, another couple of minutes longer, that Cater would have won that fight. So... Um, you know, I think that they have a lot of faith in what Cater can do. And Cater's, you know, he's a well-spoken guy. He's he's fun to watch. He puts on entertaining fights. His fight against Dan Ige was very good. You know, like, so him against Holloway, I think, is a really great test for Cater. And also, it's good to see where Max is at. Yeah, and I mean, even talking to, you know, Tyson, Calvin, and the team, I mean, they were initially looking at someone like Ortega for the next fight. I felt like they thought that uh, they'd match up with Ortega well. Um, you know, Calvin's got good, strong wrestling, good, strong punches. So I think Kelvin will stand really well with all of the guys. But I remember talking to them before. They thought Ortega would have probably been the next fight. Well, yeah, I mean, but look at the top of the division. Like, Calvin's boxing, I think, is up there with anybody. And, uh, I mean, Ortega has great boxing, too, very underrated boxing. But I think that uh, Calvin's boxing and just, just pure striking is up there with just about anybody. He's beaten some great strikers in that division. I mean, you look at Shane Burgos, um, of course, Dan Ige, I think, is a very good striker. So, yeah. you know, Jeremy he, Stevens, even. Jeremy yeah. Stevens, yeah. So he's beating a lot of these top strikers. And I think that he can hang with just about anybody in that division. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just think this featherweight is getting pretty exciting to me. I think there's a lot of good fights at the top of the division. And it's uh, turning in to be one of my favorites. Usually I favor the 155 plus. But, uh, you know, this featherweight division is becoming really exciting. Well, speaking of the 155-pound di- uh, division, good good segue from you here, Joe. UFC 254 this weekend. Uh, title unification bout for the lightweight title. Habib, Gaethje. To me, this is the fight of the year. This is the fight I'm most looking forward to of any fight this year. I cannot believe that in, was it three days, that this fight will be over, I guess, at this point in time. In three days, like or, or maybe in progress. But I just can't wait to watch it. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think I know what's going to happen, but I also know that there are so many different things that could happen uh, that, that would be different from what my perception is. And what is your gut telling you is going to happen? My gut telling me, is telling me it's going to be the same Khabib, rinse and repeat, go for takedowns, yeah. uh, chain wrestling, make Gaethje's night difficult. But the thing about Gaethje is like, if, if he's able to get to stuff some of these takedowns, he's lethal on the feet. Like his, his, if he can remain patient and measured and not try to force the issue like he has in his most recent fights, I think that's a, that's a dangerous matchup for Khabib. But here's the thing with Khabib. You don't make money betting against Khabib. You don't make money saying, well, you know, how's Khabib going to deal with this? How's Khabib going to deal with that? We've seen Khabib deal with absolutely everything put in front of him and pass with flying colors. Now, there are a unique set of circumstances. There's, of course, the death of his father, I think, has is weighing on him. I spoke to him this week and asked him about his teammates, Umar Nurmagomedov, who was supposed to debut on the card, his cousin, is in the hospital with a staph infection, removed from the card. Uh, we were going to have Islam Makhachev against Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos got removed from the card, and then Makhachev subsequently also got removed from the card. And he really wanted to make this kind of a team affair, have a lot of his teammates compete on Fight Island. Zubaira Tuhugov, one of his uh, key training partners, lost to Hakim Dawudu earlier in the month, or I guess last month, at the uh, previous pay-per-view. And uh, Tagir Ulanbekov got a win. That's another one of his training partners. But... Uh, the the idea of him and all of his training partners all competing has kind of gone out the window. So 
a lot of different things are being thrown at Habib, not to mention in an interview he did with Brett Okamoto today, uh, at least released today, he was saying that he's not really enjoying the energy of Fight Island. He doesn't, he's, he's not really feeling the vibe of Fight Island. He says he loves the United Arab Emirates, but the whole Fight Island feeling, no fans, it's kind of quiet. He's not really vibing with it. So a, a lot of little things that are coming up that, hey, maybe it's a different set of circumstances that Gaethje can capitalize on. But again, these are just grasping at, at straws, reasons for why Khabib might lose. We haven't seen him come close to losing anything, right? Ever in the yep. UFC. So why would now be different? Uh, I'll pose that question to you. Why do you think now could be different? Well, I don't know. I'm not necessarily sold on the Gaethje wrestling. I mean, we haven't really seen that from him in his professional career. We're going off on a lot of this is what he did when he was younger. Back in the day, he was known for his defensive wrestling and blah, blah, blah. But we haven't really seen that. I mean, it's like me fighting a specialist in taekwondo and going back and be like well i did taekwondo well yeah it was a second degree black belt in taekwondo but that was 25 years ago there's a little bit different i'm not as used to it and it's a little bit different so i mean i i don't really think we can gaethje's probably strong as we've heard very dense good takedown defense but to, to kind of compare it and i don't know i think it's going to be a really hard night for him i think the key is is justin you know can he get up on his feet um, can he land some of his strikes? We know he's not scared. And uh, and moving backwards sometimes is going to be the worst enemy of Gaethje. Gaethje doesn't move back. So I don't know. I, I'm like, like you said, my gut is all Khabib. I think Khabib um, initially, uh, my, my, I think he gets it done. I think he gets a finish as well. I think the pressure will add up. And I just think I'm hoping Gaethje brings some heat, though. I mean, I'm confident that he has the ability to. But the question is, will Khabib allow him to do those things, right? And that's the big question. But yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm uh, I'm one of these people like I like the low kicks. I like the the striker mentality of Gaethje to sit in the pocket. I'm kind of similar to some of my fights that I grew up with. So I I like his style, but uh, I just think at this level, Khabib is a little too much for him. Yeah, and when you, the thing about Gaethje is you would think that people would try to take Gaethje down, but if you look at his uh, you know takedown defense, he's only had to stuff I think like six or seven takedown uh, attempts in his entire UFC career, and he's actually given up two takedowns in his career. So, uh, you know, when I mentioned to Gaethje that he's been taken down in the UFC, he got kind of defensive. He said, "Well, I got rocked by Michael Johnson and he took me down." I guess Eddie Alvarez scored a takedown against him as well, uh, according to the stats. I don't particularly remember that sequence. I do remember uh, Michael Johnson taking him down after he rocked him uh, in the first round of their fight. But uh, it, it does go to show that, you know, it's not, it's not bulletproof, his takedown defense. And it surprises me that people haven't tried to take Gaethje down because I figure if you're on the feet with him, you, you know what you're in for. But maybe on the ground you can neutralize him a little bit. I think that's going to be Habib's game plan. This is the funny thing about it is we know what both fighters are going to try to do. Gaethje at the press conference today said what his strategy was, and Khabib was sitting next to him. <laughs> like, yeah, he said it straight up. I yeah. actually watched that press conference. Yeah, yeah said it straight up. He's, he's like, I'm going to stay in the center, and if I'm up against the cage, I'm in trouble. So it's like Khabib mm. in his mind's got to be like, well, let me try to get him up against the cage. But I think that's Khabib's strategy anyways, right? Like, we kind of know what both these guys are magnificent at, and to try to assume that either of them are going to try to stray from what their normal game plan is, I think that you're just trying to... You know, why not just be honest about it? And I, I like that. Yeah. I, I love I love that press conference today because you got to see two guys that are so, um, they're just so professional. They're not trying to make this into, you know, uh, one of these things where they're trying to uh, talk talk trash to each other or make it what it, like, this is a fight that I think just speaks for itself. It's one of those rare fights where it's like, we know this fight's going to be awesome. We know these are two of the best guys. 
nothing else, nothing more really needs to be said. And the fact, the fact that Dana White says this is trending to have numbers similar to what Habib and uh, and Conor McGregor did, I think that says a lot about what people think about this fight from an X's and O's standpoint. Now, when when you look at the odds and the way people are talking about this fight, if you compare it to some of you know, his other fights, Khabib's other fights, I almost feel like people are giving Justin Gaethje more of a chance than we did even against Conor McGregor. Well, the odds for McGregor, Khabib was about minus 225. And against Gaethje, I think he's minus 355. So a little bit higher, I think, for for Gaethje. But you've also got to take into account the public support that Conor McGregor gets at the the betting betting booths, right? So... um, you know, I think the odds for this are pretty comparable to the odds against Dustin Poirier, although those odds, I think, swung more towards Poirier as the fight got closer as well. So I think a lot of people like to tell themselves that Habib is beatable. That this is how you beat Habib. But we just haven't seen it. So I think that trying to imagine something that's going to happen that we haven't seen happen is like it's something that can happen. But I feel like you're you're kind of reaching at that point. I know, like, there are some people that I really like in this industry that I I, I really trust in what they have to say that that think Asia is going to win this fight. But uh, yeah. I, I'm just not. I'm just not. I need to see it. I need to see something that would show show me that that Habib can be put in trouble by somebody. Yeah, and and at this leading up to this fight, I mean, I, I'm I'm really invested in. It. I like it obviously, and I've been listening to a few breakdowns, some of the other journalists, and hearing what they think of the fight and. I don't know if people just don't want to come out and say their honest opinion, but everyone seems like, well, you know, it's a toss-up in the air, could go any other way. I don't know if they're just doing the journalist, don't want to pick a side thing, but for me, it seems like everyone is really conflicted on who they think they're going to, who's going to win the fight. And I mean, if you go with your gut and your understanding and and you had a million dollars to bet, I, I think without a doubt, you have to put, you know, all of it on Khabib. Yeah, and of course I try to be as neutral as I can be, but I, I can still give an opinion as to how I think the fight's going to go, and I just I don't see it going any other way than Khabib taking him down and smothering him. I think Khabib will win by decision. I you know I, I think if I was if if, if I was going to make two bets on this card on this main event, one would be Khabib by decision. I think it's like plus two fifty five, and the other one that I really like is if you like Gaethje, like let's say you you're you're sold on Gaethje, you think Gaethje's going to win. The odds on him winning are plus two seventy five, but there's a prop bet where. You get Gaethje for plus 250, and if it goes to the scorecards, the bet is void. So you get your money back, and that's hmm. plus 250. So if you think that Gaethje's going to win, you may as well do that. Like for, for you get, let's say you're putting 100 bucks down on it. It, it. You know, instead of winning 275, you'll win 250, but you also have the insurance that if it goes to the scorecards, that um, you, you're going to get it's your money back. Bet. Right? Yeah, it's a void yeah. bet. So, and I, think that, I don't think that Gagey has a shot of winning by decision. I mean, maybe a little bit, like a, a bit of a chance, but you've got to imagine that if this goes five rounds, that it's strongly in the favor of Habib. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I'm definitely curious about it. I mean, if, if there's any striker who's not intimidated to sit in the pocket and, and give the fight, it's Gagey. So, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys try to do it, very unsuccessful. Um, I just think the threat of being taken down by Khabib ends up, you know, nullifying most strikers. I mean, you got to think, Gaethje loves to throw those cap kicks. He likes to throw those kicks. But now when he knows that Khabib's going to grab his legs every other time or he throws it the one time and he almost gets taken down, you have to think he's going to significantly reduce some of his bigger strikes. And I'm sure Gaethje's, uh, you know, going to try other options. But, I mean, I think at that point it's – you know, he's relied so heavily on his kicks that Khabib grabs one of those legs, takes the single, and it's over. Yeah, 100%. I think that, uh, yeah, like, who knows? I mean, 
I, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to secure a submission against Gaethje with Gaethje's uh, like skill set with wrestling. I think that Gaethje's going to be able to fight out of some positions. But I think that. But like, how do you know that? How do you know that his wrestling is going to be? I that don't. Great I mean, that's the thing. On, that's the thing. A lot based of based on like I'm saying, like old high school wrestling and college well, it's not, wrestling, it's, it's, right? He no? was an all American. Like, let, let's not say he just was a regular yeah. college wrestler. He was an elite college wrestler, right? So uh, he's going to have the wrestling background. But that said, like he's become a striker in MMA and has been doing that for whatever it is, eight years. So you can't imagine that his wrestling is going to be as good as it was or as sharp as it was when he was strictly focusing on wrestling. And and in those last eight years, you heard him talk and say, I'm an anti-wrestler. I don't want to wrestle. Who wrestles? No one does jujitsu. Like, he's all against jujitsu and grappling. It's more about getting in good position, striking, because he haven't had to use it. So even in this, he's gotten away with knocking guys out and being on the feet that he's kind of neglected that part of the game probably throughout those eight years of his career. I mean, if you're successful, so successfully knocking people out, are you going to grapple more than anything? Most likely not. So... I don't know. I'm excited. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all in the hype. I'm playing devil's advocate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone's got that hard mentality, I think it's going to to beat Khabib. It comes down to more than skill. It comes down to warrior mentality. It comes down to grit. It comes down to can you come down from being, you know, taken down? And do you still have the, you know, the enthusiasm to get back up and want to still smash him? So I think it's that inner warrior in Justin Gaethje that'll do it more than can he defend the takedown? You're going to go down. But are you going to get back up? Are you going to have that confidence in between rounds? Are you going to sit with your head down? Or are you going to get up knowing that, hey, I got another round. I got another minute to lay it all out there and, and try to do something. And I think Gaethje has that mentality. And I think that's what makes it fight uh, better than just the, the skill itself. So, I mean, he's got he's to come in life or death mentality. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that he's – and, I mean, he's a guy that's very difficult to break. I mean, when we've seen Gaethje lose fights, it's because, like – he gets hit with a big strike because he's been, you know, he's fighting a little bit carelessly. But that kind of, that Gaethje is kind of gone. He's, it seems like that kind of old Gaethje where he's just locking guys down and trying to just get into, into brawls with people. He, he's kind of become a more methodical fighter. And I think that, that's, that that version of Gaethje is increasingly dangerous to Habib. Because yeah. if you've got a Gaethje who's going to pick his shots, who's not going to try to just walk forward, walk forward, walk forward, who's going to be a little bit more methodical in what he does. Like, Habib will capitalize on mistakes. But this version of Gaethje hasn't made a lot of mistakes. The old Gaethje made a lot of mistakes. So let's yeah. see if Gaethje is able to kind of stay with that game plan and not get too worked up, not get too emotional, just kind of, you know. It seems like Trevor Whitman is such a perfect coach for Justin Gaethje because between rounds, he's really able to to take Gaethje's focus and shift it to where it needs to be. Like, MMA for Gaethje, it being five-minute rounds, and, you know, by, I find, like, by the end of the round... Gaethje is starting to get into like his in his mind it's like okay it's time to like time to get back into a brawl and then Whitman will kind of give him a more measured take in the corner that, that kind of brings him back down to earth a little bit and I think that that's why the rounds being five minutes for Gaethje in fact if it was even shorter rounds I think it would be even better for Gaethje but five minute rounds for Gaethje with his coach being able to kind of get him back to you know focus on the game plan. I think is perfect for him. And I think that that's what's going to make it difficult for Habib is if Gaethje sticks with the game plan, if Gaethje doesn't try to turn it into a brawl, because if he gets careless with his striking or even careless with his leg kicks, Habib's going to find a way to take him down. Even on the exit, I think that even if Gaethje nails him with a good leg kick, Habib will eat it and then go right for a takedown. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if he's unsuccessful with it, I think that is going to be able to neutralize Gaethje's leg kicks, which are one of his best weapons. But let's see. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that this is, this is one of those ones where I really want to wait and see. 
I don't want to write off Gaethje. I think that Gaethje is a good challenger and is a fighter that can beat anybody on any given night. But uh, again, we've, we've seen Khabib lose one round officially in the UFC during his entire career. I think he's the most dominant fighter in the UFC, and I don't think he's particularly close in that regard. Yeah. So, uh, and you, and, yeah, keep going, sir. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you, you can go ahead, Joe, but I was just, I just think that until I see otherwise, until I see some sort of kryptonite, I kind of have to lean in, in the way of Khabib when it comes to any fight that he's in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what makes a good journalist. And I mean, you said it the best. Whitman being a good coach. I mean, and we saw it in that last one. I think that's the key where he said, you know, take take that 10% off of those punches. Because if you overthrow these strikes against Khabib, that's where good wrestlers can get underneath. So, I mean, if anyone has a striking background to be able to nullify a wrestler, I think Whitman is the guy. Um, and I also like what Khabib said in that, you know, in his pre-fight interview where he said, uh, he was asked by another journalist saying, what is the difference between Dagestani wrestling and American wrestling? And the point he made, he goes, uh, an American wrestler goes, they'll shoot once and then that's it. He goes, Dagestani wrestling. He goes, one, two, three, four. He goes, I will keep trying to shoot for 25 minutes if I have to. So it's that constant chaining that he's used to um, that he feels is the difference between uh, the two types of wrestling. So he's not even... Um, he doesn't overvalue the American wrestling, obviously, because he's grown up in the Dagestani system. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it all comes down to now waiting and seeing. We can say as much as we want. But, uh, yeah, I, I also give you the example if you said we'd be wrong to say Khabib isn't going to win or the heavy favorite. An example I had with that was uh, Rico and Badr Hari. Because I remember Badr Hari came up to me. He's like, you think Rico's going to win? I was like, of course I do. I'd be a terrible journalist or a technician to say that he wouldn't. Like, you've been off for three, four, five years. We haven't seen you fight. Rico's dominated everyone he goes against and, you know, barely loses any rounds. How would I say you're going to automatically win? So, I mean, I think that's the case with most people. But a lot of people, I think, just want to see, like, that Floyd Mayweather. They want to see Khabib in trouble. They want to see Khabib go through some adversity. And I think that's what we sit and wait and watch. He's got that Floyd Mayweather aura to him now. Yeah, sometimes we, uh, we try to use our imagination a little bit too much, and it gets the best of us because people picture, you know, Conor McGregor landing the big shot on Floyd Mayweather. But, like, if you just take it down to what it is, like, if you just look at it at its core without trying to, like, overanalyze things, sometimes it's very easy. You've got the best boxer of a generation against a guy who's 0-0 zero and zero as a professional boxer. Remove the names. Who's going to win that fight? You've exactly. Got, you've got an undefeated guy who has lost one round in, in his 12-fight UFC career against a guy who's lost fights and a guy who's absorbed double the amount of uh, significant strikes um, in, in almost half the amount of fights. You know, let's take a like. You know, you just look at those two things. You remove the, the names. And sometimes if you just look at it that way, you, you keep it simple, you can find the right side. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it again, is funny I, though that Khabib's a bigger favorite against not. Gaethje than uh, than Mayweather was against McGregor in boxing. I mean, that that'll always baffle me. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, it's just look at the gambling odds. When you see a plus, you know, three fifty, you know, one guy's that much dominant. Doesn't mean the the plus three fifty can't win the fight. That's not what. That's what we're kind of playing and entertaining. But I mean, you got to go with the facts. And I mean. I love the underdog story. And if someone had to tell me, and I mean, I don't know Khabib personally, and I, I'm sure he'll listen to this all the time, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cheering for Gaethje, to be honest with you. I'm kind of cheering, you know, quietly for Gaethje. I think I, I want to see the underdog story in this one. 
But I do think Khabib's going to win, but I'd like to see Gaethje do one, at least have a great fight, at least put on some great entertainment. But if he were to win, I, I would be happy for him. I would legit, even though, again, I don't know him, I would just think it's a... Uh, to go in there with that mentality into Abu Dhabi, his sticking to his style and not really overly changing. And I think, you know, he deserves it and I will give him a lot of praise. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because the result of this fight, I think that regardless of the result, you've got a good outcome. Like, you know, if Khabib wins, he's 29 and 0, he's trying to be 30 and 0 and potentially retire undefeated. And then if Gaethje wins, it opens up the whole division, right? Like there, there's so many good fights you can make with Gaethje. Uh, as the champion, that, you know, it's almost something that you kind of want to see. I mean, regardless of who Gaethje's against, it's a great fight. Like, I mean, is there is there a fighter in the lightweight division's top 10 that wouldn't be a fun fight against Gaethje? Probably not. But I, I do think... he brings it. Yeah, but the idea of him beating Khabib is, you know, it's intriguing. Because I think you'd get a rematch after that, and then you see what would happen there. But uh, I do think that, you know, seeing seeing a fighter retire undefeated as a champion, like, it's just such a good story, and you just never see it in MMA. Yeah, but it's also like, man, if you're still undefeated and you're still beating people and you're making millions a fight, it's kind of hard to be like, let me keep making those millions until I lose and then I'll retire. I feel like Khabib's a different kind of guy, though. I feel like Khabib comes from a different fabric than most people. Like, I don't think that he's one of these guys that's going to stick around too long. Um, Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, I, I think that he would be happy walking away when he thinks his legacy is kind of entrenched. Because right now, I don't think you can call him the best ever. I think even with a win over Gaethje, I don't think you can call him the best ever. You can say he's the most dominant ever. You can say that he's the most, the most dominant fighter in UFC history. But what would get him to be the best of all time? I think that's what he's looking at. And that's why George St. Pierre's name keeps coming up. That's why you see um, the the big fights. You know, he, he says that the idea of facing Poirier or McGregor again doesn't really intrigue him because he's done that already. He, he's looking towards improving his legacy because beating Conor twice, I still think that helps his legacy a lot. But, like, what what would it take for him to walk away as the best of all time. And I think, save for a win against George St. Pierre or maybe cleaning out the division, beating Ferguson, beating Michael Chandler, you know, beating the guys that he hasn't beaten, if he can run through a lot of those guys in, like, the top division of the sport, yeah, like, sign me up. But uh, Yeah, I don't even think so. I don't even think beating those guys would put him at that GOAT status. And I don't even think beating GSP will. I just think it's almost having, like, that John Jones is just really big. It's hard to pass that. Yeah, but he'll always have the he'll always have the uh, the edge because of John Jones being busted for performance enhancing drugs. I think a lot of people will take that away. But what about eclipsing George St. Pierre? Like there, the people that don't believe John is the best of all time because of those things will probably default to George St. Pierre being the best of all time. So what would it take him to pass George St. Pierre? Because George St. Pierre, we've seen lose in the octagon. He, I think George, when he was the champion, was just as dominant as Khabib is, maybe a little bit less. Because he, he actually got hit and hurt but he's and lost, lost rounds. rounds. Yeah, mean, he lost yeah, rounds, lost right? Rounds, so, right? I mean, what what would it take to put Khabib above George St. Pierre, right? Like, that's kind of the way you got to look at it as well. Some John Jones lost rounds. A lot of people GSP. thought John Jones lost to Reyes. Yeah, GSP, some fights when he fought Hendricks and stuff, people thought he lost that fight too, took some big shots. And we haven't seen that from Khabib. So, I mean, like, why doesn't he get that is what. And I think beating a GSP who's now, what, 38, 39 years old, I mean, doesn't really show GOAT status to me. You're talking GSP out of fighting for so many years. I don't think it gives Khabib that status. So what would? I don't. Like, what, what would? I don't know. I don't think there is. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. don't think there is. But that's, I really that's don't weird, think though, there is. Because the lightweight division right now is like, it's the best division in the sport. And if he's able to clean that division out, like, John, the reason why a lot of people think John is the best is because he cleaned out the light heavyweight division when it was like the division, the it division, right? 
And now the lightweight division is kind of the it division. So if, if Habib ends up beating Gaethje, as Gaethje, he has Poirier, he has Conor on his resume, uh, he has Rafael dos Anjos on his resume. Like he's beaten a lot of the top 155ers of all time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, do you have the answer? I don't what know. Like, I mean, maybe it's just we need to wait. We need to be a little bit removed from it from a couple of years and then really appreciate it because right now we're in the middle. We're in the midst of it, right? It's always easier to look back on things with rose-colored glasses rather than looking at it when we have it right in front of us. When there's still and what, what title defense is this? This is only a second be... title defense or third third yeah. title defense. Third title defense. Does that make an issue? Because I think he so. hasn't defended the title seven, eight times like some of the other champions, right? Yeah, and, he, and he was kind of inact- inactive for a lot of his career too, right? Like th- these are little things that I think have an impact. Yeah, I don't know. I, I seriously don't know. I don't. It's someone like a DC just doesn't get that credit and that you know because of the John Jones situation. Though he was a double champion, to to be a, a light heavyweight top in the division champion and a heavyweight that you got to think that's you know almost more impressive than what. Not really more impressive, but it's kind of what DC took more risks in his career than just sitting in one division, which kind of makes it. That's what I think. If John Jones goes to heavyweight, does well, wins a, a world championship, I think without a doubt, because he's taking that risk to take bigger, badder, better fights. If Khabib said, okay, let me go challenge now Kamaru Usman. Okay, now we're talking, now he puts himself in GOAT status because now people need two weight division championships. And George He's only the same staying thing. in one. Yeah, so I mean, I think maybe that's my answer of what he has to do. And I probably would do phenomenal against a Kamara Usman, let's be honest. Yeah, that would be a great fight. I mean, but Usman mm-hmm. would be a lot bigger than him. Yeah, but those are the risks you take, you know, like DC fighting, you know, like a, a Nagano or the guys are huge. You I mean, that's the weight discrepancy you get in heavyweight sometimes. So who knows? Well, let's go to the co-main event. Robert Whitaker against Jared Cannonier. Cannonier is a small favorite, which surprises me. Um, but uh, this is an interesting one. I mean, Cannonier is on a roll right now. He's got tons of momentum. But Whitaker is still, I think, one of the elite guys in the middleweight division. And until I see somebody not named Israel Adesanya beat him, I'm I'm hard pressed to believe that he's going to lose to Cannonier. Yeah, this is the one fight that I can probably say I can't pick a winner. I really don't even have an initial. My initial feeling was like, oh, I got to be Whitaker, and then I look back, I think of Cannonier. I look at some of his fights, and I was like, I don't know. There's something I'm missing. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually jumping back. Like what and fights forth. of Cannonier stand out though? To like, I, he has that great win over Jack Hermanson. I'll give him that. But what are the other wins? David Branch. Like you know, I I just. I know what I'm getting with Whitaker, and what I'm getting with Whitaker is a guy who's six years younger than Jared Cannonier, who's been a champion, who's beaten the best of the best guys already at middleweight except for Israel. You know, and Cannonier has a lot of losses on his record. He just happens to be on a streak right now at middleweight, with a division he's been in for, what, two years, maybe less than two years. So I think that sometimes we, we, look, we look at the guy with momentum and say, this guy's unstoppable. And you hear Israel saying, this guy's the dark horse of the division. If he beats Whitaker, he's got the next shot. And everybody's already writing the story. But, I, I, you know, I, I look at Whitaker, and he seems like he's a lot happier now. He's not being the champion, it seems, has reinvigorated him and brought back his love of the sport. And he's, he's being a little bit, having a little bit more fun with it. And he realized what the problem was in his career, that he, was, he wasn't taking days off. He was uh, pushing himself a little bit too hard. It became, his entire life became mixed martial arts and fighting. And now he's, he seems to be in a, in a, in a much better place. I'm I'm much more inclined to take a Robert Whitaker in that, with that mindset, who's much younger, yeah. who's, who's got the resume... Than a guy like Cannoneer, who I, I just frankly haven't seen enough of to really say that he is is at the level of a Robert Whitaker at this stage. 
Yeah, I just like Kandanir as a, as a finisher. I mean, I think he kind of has that power. And, I mean, Whitaker has a tendency to jump in with his chin up and, you know, kind of get caught with good counter shots. And I think Kandanir has that style. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, might be a, you know, a out there prediction, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kandanir even gets a finish. It's very possible. Just, uh, very possible. But, but here's the thing. A lot of people say Whitaker, Whitaker's got a bad chin, He's you know, and all this stuff. But... He's been dropped before, but how many guys have finished him with strikes? Is what Israel and I think Stephen Thompson when he was at 170. Like we saw Romero drop him so many times, but he kept getting up, you know. So yeah, and but that's who do you think has more? Meter, like right? he took he big shots from Yoel. Of his life, he probably lost 10 years of his life after Very, that. Very, I get that. And that's I a mean, valid the point. The gas tank of headshots, you know. Like every time you take a headshot, it's not like the gas meter goes back; it keeps going down and down and down, and then each shot becomes, you know, harder to recover from. So I mean. I don't want to write him off, but I mean, I just have this, I mean, going back and forth still, but uh, I just have this gut feeling that Cannoneer can do something uh, really crazy here. But it's funny, people look at Cannoneer like he's this undefeated fighter, but if you go back and look at, at his his career in, in MMA, he got knocked out by Dominic Reyes, like if you, and getting knocked out in the first round by Dominic Reyes, and getting knocked out by Dominic Reyes is different than getting knocked out from other people, got knocked out by Sean Jordan, big heavy hitter. You know, he was undefeated when he entered the UFC, but he was still kind of on the older side when he entered the UFC. And uh, while he does have knockout power, the knockout against Anderson Silva was like a, a leg kick, basically an injury for Anderson Silva. Uh, the David Branch knockout, totally legitimate. And of course, the Hermanson knockout, very legitimate. But this isn't the guy that has like, you know, fight-ending power from start to finish, in my opinion. Again, I, I think that he has great power, but I think that when you face a guy like Whitaker, who I think can tact, who's a much better tactical fighter for a three-round fight, you know, I, I, I just don't see how Cannoneer is going to be able to beat him, save for a knockout, like save for just getting a, a hitting him with the right strike, which, there, of course, there is a likelihood of that. It's a, the odds are basically even money, and again, Whitaker's the underdog at this stage, but I just, I have a lot of trouble going against, taking the unknown over the known. Yeah, and so you're thinking Whitaker by most likely decision. I think Whitaker won a decision, yeah. Yeah, no, I can see it. I'm telling you, like, I mean, with his experience, his top, I mean, even his last fight with Till was pretty good. Well, he's fighting you know smart, I mean? right? And that's yeah. that's what you have to do to win sometimes. Yeah, especially with Cannonier, who seems to have that long reach and that big long reach advantage getting into this fight. But uh, I think if Whitaker does stay patient, I think he, he has a good night. But, man, the killer gorilla, I mean, I'm just – once he lets off and goes and his mindset, I just, I think I won't be surprised, put it that way. I might uh, sprinkle a little, a little action on Cannonier by finish. I just have this weird gut feeling. All right. Well, let's stick with the middleweight division. Anderson Silva in an interview this week confirmed that his fight against Uriah Hall on Halloween is going to be his last fight. Uh, I think he's age, he's 45 years of age right now. Do you have like a favorite Anderson Silva moment that sticks out to you as one that, when you think back to Anderson Silva, is the most exciting moment or your favorite moment in his career? Hmm. I I like the Anderson Silva when he first came onto the scene because you saw a little bit of uh, that Muay Thai, good striking. So, like, I loved his debut against Lieben. I didn't mind that. And his Rich Franklin fight probably stood out to me with those knees to the face and, you know, crippling his nose. Um I think those two stood out, and again, I can't can't forget the Belfort knockout with that front kick. I just posted a YouTube video on the front kick versus the push kick, so 
that was one of the fights I reference as the ability to use a good front kick. So, but I mean, I like the, I'm an early Anderson. I, I like this fight with the Rich Franklin, the Lee Ben, probably when he st- stood out the most for me. Those knees in the clinch against Rich Franklin are still like devastating to watch. Uh, yeah. What about your favorite moment? What I think it's it? against Forrest Griffin. Like he, he moves up to 205 every now and then. He was taking fights at 205, fought James Irvin at 205. Um, goes yep. up to face a former champion in Forrest Griffin and. Just styles on him. I don't know how long that fight was. It was probably like three minutes. The head movement, getting him in the corner, like, and and even the one against uh, the one against uh, Stefan Bonner, where Stefan Bonner had him up against the K. Am I thinking of the right fight? He fought Stefan Bonner, right? Am I imagining the wrong fight or in my head? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think he fought the wrong fight. So maybe I'm just thinking of the Forrest fight. Was it the Forrest fight where he was up against the cage and Forrest was throwing shots? He was just dodging all of them. No, he did fight Bonner. So that sorry. was in the middle. He fought, oh, Bonner. He fight Bonner. He fought Bonner after he uh, after he beat uh, Son in the second time, and Bonner had him up against the cage and was throwing all kinds of punches, and and he was missing all of them. And Anderson was up against the cage, like that. Yeah, that one was unbelievable to me. But the uh, the Forrest fight, he beat him in in three and a half minutes, and Forrest was like the light heavyweight champion uh, prior to that. Like, oh, that was just unreal. Watching him do what my, he did to, Fore- to my Forrest least Griffin. Forrest Griffin ran out of the was... building afterwards. Oh, yeah, because he was embarrassed. Yeah. I was going to say my least favorite Anderson Silva was being a kid and going and buying a ticket to a UFC event, I think, in Montreal when he fought Talis Latis. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, kind of, I kind of felt gypped of my money in that main event because I actually went out to it. So that was my least favorite Anderson moment. But That's the only, actually, that's the only I, fight that my wife has watched more than three minutes of in our entire marriage. Was that fight? Yeah, and she hated it. No, she no? thought it was. She she thought it was really interesting because I was explaining to her why Silva kept going to his back. Oh, sorry, Latus. Why Latus kept going to his back, and 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 I was like, that guy Anderson is one of the best strikers, and he's the best striker in the sport right now. And this guy Latus is a, he's a submission guy, so he's trying to bait. It's like a chess match. He's trying to bait Anderson to come to the ground with him so that he can have the advantage. But Anderson doesn't want to want to go down with him, even though Anderson is pretty good. She on the got ground. it. And she was like, she was watching it and she was really interested in it. But it was also a fight where there's very little violence, right? Like it's very, it's very tactical. So she kind of liked yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, okay. that's that's the uh, that's the uh, and that fight was 11 years ago. So that's that's the most MMA she's watched in our in our entire marriage was uh, 11 years ago. Hey, <laughs> before right. I was covering the go. sport. But will she watch any of your stuff? I'm sure no, she's on no. TV and no, she'll, no, no, no. No, not never, even never. None of your your post UFC hits nope. now. I I usually keep it on you know on uh, TSN and, I, and it keeps replaying every 30 minutes. I see you on. She sometimes well, I'm working. Watch in my the interviews background. because there's no like there's no B roll. There's no like she doesn't like watching the sport. But uh, yeah, my wife is not interested. <laughs> yeah. But she's I mean, your work is nice, you know. She's not interested in seeing how you're improving with your on-camera stuff and all your journalism. But when I used to have be on Facebook, I would post the occasional Facebook video, and she would watch it. And if it was an interview, and she she would give some feedback, and she uh, she'd give it a thumbs up. I hope or no? Yeah, yeah. Well, she give me no. She's she, okay. she's good at giving me constructive criticism, which I appreciate. Like I don't no, I, I, I don't need Facebook her to pump. Like. Yeah. She gave you a Facebook like. Oh, at probably. Least, hopefully. Nah, maybe I doubt <laughs> it. But uh, I don't need her to pump my tires. I need her to. Give me, you know, give me the real. Tell me what I'm doing yeah. wrong. It's your motivation, right? You want to do well for your family and your kids, so they just, I, you want some support back. That's all I'm, I'm vouching for. I don't need it. We want. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> all right. My dad will send me some messages every now and then. I, I ran into uh, one of my son's uh, former teachers. She was going for a walk at lunchtime today, and I was out with my dog, and she says, "My husband watches you on TV." So, like that kind of thing. That's that, that'll that'll get me through the day. I don't need I don't need much more than that. 
you're getting better at it though i mean like i study and analyze all of that kind of stuff but you've improved a lot on them so kudos to you well i appreciate that but if you have any uh, constructive criticism for me too as a broadcaster yourself joe i'm, I'm more than willing to take i've been it. out for six months i'm gonna need your tips again i don't know i've been out of the calling of the the fight game for a while now and a, a while longer I mean, as glory postponed their event i saw this week unfortunately Botter tested positive for yeah. covid yeah so now we're looking at uh, an alternative date Oh, we'll see. So now it's all focus on Malcolm Gordon, November twenty eighth. So yeah. Oh yeah. So at least you won't miss the main his sure focus. Yeah, we'll be there full time. I might be going down to Vegas a week earlier too, outside of fight week to get more training in. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I, I'm excited to go. Not. I mean, I kind of agree with Khabib. Like Fight Island is nice. You go once, but to want to go back again, I prefer to go to Vegas. It's closer. It's easier. Less hassle, less problems. It's more familiar. It's not like you're in Fight Island getting to go visit and eat and experience other cult, the culture and the food. You're stuck in a hotel with people, whether you're in Vegas, whether you're in Chicago, whether you're in New York, whether you're in Toronto. It's You're in a, your own little bubble, so it didn't really make a big so difference. You're like, I don't like this. Yeah, honest, I'd rather fly like four this. hours than 16 hours. As much as I loved and had a great experience... 12 hours less on a plane, I'm all for. All right, and finally, I know you've got to get going, but Dana White said in an interview with Adam Catterall of BT, who I I'm, admire greatly, he's a great interview, uh, he said that McGregor versus Poirier has to be at 155 pounds. And I was very relieved to hear this because there was a rumor that that fight was going to take place at 170. I asked Khabib about that this week, and Khabib said, no, 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 that fight takes place at 170. It doesn't make, it's not a contender's fight at lightweight. You need to make lightweight in order to be a lightweight contender. I wholeheartedly agree with Khabib, and I was very relieved to hear Dana White say that that fight's going to take place in lightweight. Yeah, no, 100% it has to be. I mean, you got to see and make sure those guys make the weight, but is that actually a contender's fight for the next Khabib? Maybe. Okay. It depends. I mean, it depends on how much clout Khabib has and I know that his agent Ali Abdelaziz or manager rather Ali Abdelaziz said that uh, the UFC have something special planned for Khabib plus we were seeing George get his name out there a little bit more lately and saying oh, maybe I'd come back if the stars align he wants to do a, some sort of catchweight fight with Khabib and Khabib when I asked him about George St. Pierre this week his face lit, lit up he's very excited about the idea of fighting George so you know I think Khabib has earned a lot of goodwill with the UFC so whatever ends up happening with him, I think, is going to be something that he has to be on, on the page. He's got to be on the right page in order for it to uh, be something that Khabib is going to want to do. And I, I don't know how much a rematch with, with Conor intrigues him. And, and I don't think that the money is a motivating factor for him either at this point. I think that he's very comfortable. He lives in Dagestan, where I don't think you need that much, that, you know, you don't need that much money to live day-to-day in Dagestan. Uh, the cost of living isn't quite as high as if you were, uh, you know, say move to San Jose where AKA is. But uh, I think that when you, uh, when you look at uh, you know, what his motivating factors are, I think it's legacy. And I mean, I was even surprised with Dana talking today at the press conference about the kind of record breaking attention that Habib gets from, you know, most watch Instagram, most watch on Facebook, on YouTube, he's getting so many more hits. So you got to think, Habib's got some very big negotiating power now. I mean, he's got to be almost, uh, you know, an equivalent start to Connor. So those guys, it's going to probably be very hard to match them up again because they both want to have things on their own terms. Like, do you put Habib's going to want Abu Dhabi? Connor might want somewhere else. And I just think to have two superstars trying to meet, I mean, money will talk. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really see it being something that happens, to be honest. 
I'm with you. Yeah, and he's got a, a ton of support in the Baltic states, and the Baltic states have like 7 million people. Uh, it's got to be more than 7 million people. But like in, in that region uh, of Russia and all of those surrounding countries, there's a lot of people that live there that uh, are big fans of Habib and are big supporters of Habib, plus the uh, the Arab community are big supporters of Habib. So you've got a, a large amount of fans for him in regions that have a lot of people. So just that alone, I think that that gives Khabib a, a pretty big reach. And that's why they're having this card uh, in the afternoon on Saturday. You're aware of that, right, Joe? I'm not, uh, I'm not ruining yeah. your day? Okay, good, good. No, I'm going to have to miss uh, some of the earlier fights being at the gym and training, but uh, I'll be home for the main card. Well, that's what's important. That's the most important because honestly, that main card is pretty stacked. I'm excited for it. So I can't wait to I see mean, uh, Magomed Ankalaev and Iwan Kutelaba rematch. That's going to be an awesome fight. Oh yeah, I mean, even um, I was really surprised with Walt Harris and you know Volkov. I yeah, mean, Walt, they're just too. throwing Walt Harris to everybody. Yeah, Walt Harris, you know, from Overeem now to Volkov, like no yeah, easy, no easy fights. fights for him. For, yeah, no easy fights for Walt Harris at this stage. But uh, yeah, you know, I think that Ankalaev can be a light heavyweight champion. I really do. I think that in terms of talent, he's top ten in the division, and uh, we'll see how he does against Kutelaba. But this is a guy you need to keep your eye on. All right, I'm listening. I'm watching. All right. Well, Joe, appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll talk next week when we can recap the fight of the year, UFC 254, Habib versus Gaethje. I can't wait. Uh, so enjoy the fights.